Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. As followers of Messiah Yeshua, that is Jesus Christ, we are called to live righteously. As we have said so many times, those who walk in the Spirit fulfill the righteousness of the law. In other words, being led by the Spirit, we are going to live righteously. And that's important because when one lives righteously, he is going to be living in a way that brings honor and glory to God. And that's exactly why we were created and why God redeemed us, so that we can bring glory to Him through righteous behavior. Now, we're not saved by our righteousness. In fact, having not been saved, one is thoroughly unrighteous. In fact, the law shows us our great unrighteousness, and that should lead one to look for redemption, to look for forgiveness that God would help us and change us and cause us to be a new creation. And it's only through this work of God through faith, believing in the promise of God, that is, that gospel message through Messiah, His death, His shedding of His blood, that we can become a new creation in Messiah. That means we can be born again. And having been born by the Spirit of God, we ought to submit to the Spirit of God. This is something that we can say for all of of eternity, that we are going to be ones who are under the authority of the Spirit of God. And obviously, at the time of our blessed hope, the rapture, We are going to be transformed by the Spirit of God and the Word of God, whereby we are going to be transformed into glory. That is, we are going to receive kingdom bodies, and those bodies can do nothing else but to document the righteousness of God. That will be a wonderful time when we are in perfection. But now, through the anointing of the Spirit of God and through obedience to the Word, we can demonstrate righteousness, and that's what we're called to do. Well, take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Romans and chapter 13. Now, we began this chapter last week, and we asked a very important question, and that is, are we called to obey the government? And the answer was, in a general but limited way, yes, we are. Paul taught something. He says, if a government is is punishing evil and, and praising that which is good, then we should be submissive to that government. It doesn't mean that it has to be perfect, but in a general way. We talked about what's known by, by many as natural law. What is natural law? Well, it's the law through the conscience, 
We know, and Paul taught this earlier in the book of Romans, that every human being has been given a conscience by God. And through that conscience, to a limited degree, we can understand right and wrong, again, to a limited degree. This means that, that a person, even before being regenerated, a, a person can understand that, that stealing is wrong, that one should not murder, take a life of someone else, and that one should not lie. These are the foundations of natural law, and they also, and we'll see this in a moment, also relate to the law of God, the commandments of Moses. So when you have a government, for the most part, is, is agreeing with natural law, we should be submissive to that, and we should be supportive of that. But as we said last week, when there's a government that, that punishes good and rewards evil, obviously, we have to stand against that. And there are numerous, and I want to emphasize that, numerous examples of godly men and godly women disobeying a government, a king, a ruler, in order to carry out the will of God. And that is the example that we need to embrace. Look with me, if you would, to this 13th chapter of the book of Romans, and I want to begin where we left off last week. And here Paul is speaking about how we should behave. And even though Paul wrote these words nearly 2,000 years ago, they still have relevance and even greater relevance as we are drawing near to the last days. And Paul's going to give an indication of that, that they are indeed relevant, most relevant, for the last days. Look, if you would, to verse 8, where he says, Nothing to no one you owe except loving one another. So he says, we ought to not owe anyone, meaning we should pay our obligations, as he talked about last week, rendering to Caesar that which is Caesar, paying our taxes, paying our tribute, giving honor to those who, who deserve honor, and, and praise to those who deserve praise. He says, don't owe anyone, but always live with an a understanding that we're called to demonstrate love for one another. So again, verse, verse 8, nothing, no one you should owe except loving one another. For the one who loves another, remember what it says, this one who is loving another, he has fulfilled the law. Why? Why well, emphasize last week that the character of the law is love. When we look at the two great commandments, love God and love your neighbor as yourself, what do they have in, in conjunction with one another? Love. So when we walk in love, loving God and displaying that love and demonstrating that love by blessing others, helping others, doing good to them, we are walking in the fulfillment of the law. And that's what we are called to do and furthermore, this is what the Holy Spirit is going to empower us and teach us to do, to love one another. Look now to verse 9. 
to be sure that we're talking about the law of Moses, notice what he says here, verse 9. For the, and it's simply the word the, it stands alone. But, but many of the translators, they put in the commandment or the law, and this is indeed what he's referring to. Look again, verse 9. For the law, what's the law? Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal. And the Texas Receptus, the best Greek manuscript, also has the phrase, do not bear witness, false witness against another. And then it concludes with what? And do not covet. So think of this. Do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not murder, don't lie against one another bearing false witness, and don't covet what doesn't belong to you. This is all the foundation of the Ten Commandments, which are the foundation of the law of Moses. And then in that same verse, verse 9, he says, And if someone has an additional commandment in this, this word, it says they are complete. And what is that? He's saying if there's some other commandment that you have, it is summarized, it is made complete with this word. And what is this word? Where he says, in the commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So again, we see once more how the law is foundational. Now, if you think that I have brought in the last days, just, just pulled it and, and placed it in this, this passage undeservingly, this is not the case. Notice what Paul's going to be saying in a few minutes. But first, look, if you would, to verse 10, where he says, The love of neighbor, that is, loving a neighbor, does not produce evil. Therefore, love, and it means the love, the love that, that God has given us, that capacity, love is the fulfillment of of the law so if you ever doubted this statement that the spirit of the law is is love we have it right here and what he's referring to once more is those two commandments love god with all your heart with all your soul and with all your very essence and love your neighbor as yourself which he's mentioned several times loving one another and loving your neighbor now look if you would to verse 11 in verse 11 we see something that tells us why paul is writing this is specifically for the last days look at verse 11 and this now again it helps greatly to have a a hebraic background because in the hebrew language when we use the phrase vezot it means and this but that construction speaks to a primary matter. And what primary matter are we speaking about? The transition from this world into the establishment of the kingdom of God. And that's why he says, look again, verse 11. And this, this is what's important, that we have discernment that we, notice what he says, knowing the time. Now, we could translate this knowing the season, the prophetic season that we are approaching. 
And knowing that, it should cause us to think differently and to behave differently, to, to affirm this submissiveness to our Lord and Savior, to God, and not to man or some government leader. We know that in the last days, there's going to be one ruler, and I'm speaking of the Antichrist, and he is going to rule over all of the world. And the Antichrist, he's called not by chance, but, but we read this, for example, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, where Paul says that the Antichrist is the man of lawlessness. Now, what is the main characteristic of, of the law? It's love. And the law sets forth righteousness. Remember that verse I stated earlier. Those who walk not in the flesh but in the spirit fulfill the righteousness of the law. So there's that inherent relationship, a strong, strong connection between the law and righteousness. And we are called to live righteously in this world. Why? It is when we live righteously that we are honoring and glorifying God. And this is our primary call as human beings. So once more, verse, verse 11. And this, this is the primary thing. Knowing the season, that the hour is already, what hour? From sleep that we have been raised up so the time of sleeping is over now paul says something else and he gives two possibilities what are the two possibilities you are either going to be asleep or watching and this is what we're called to do watch what does that mean to watch prophetically for the signs of the seasons that we are approaching the last days and to be ready and to be found faithful by demonstrating righteousness that's what we're called to do and he says here because the hour is already from sleep we have been woken up for now nearer is our salvation now when we speak of salvation there's, there's two ways that we can understand this. Usually, within Christianity, we, we talk about, about salvation as the forgiveness of sins, being justified by faith, being reconciled to God, and having that, that sure hope of being members of the kingdom of God. When we die, leaving this world and our souls going to be with Messiah. And that is indeed salvation. But, but many times, the writers in the New Testament speak of salvation, not in that sense alone, but speaking of the term salvation in victory, in deliverance. Now, I share with you, as the last days draw near, and they are, there is going to be a greater hostility in this world from governments and from the citizens of the world for truth the truth of god for the ways of god and that's going to lead us to be severely persecuted we need to be ready for that and that's why paul says 
that, that as we approach the last days in this time of persecution, know as well that our victory, our salvation also draws near. And he says, it is nearer than when we, when we believed. So I came to faith when I was, was 18 years of age, 40 years ago. And now I'm closer to the kingdom establishment than when I was when I first believed. That's what he's speaking about here. Get ready for the kingdom. And he goes on to say, look at verse 12. The night is being cut off, but the day has drawn near. And because of this transition from night Today and what's important about day? Well, we're going to see it in a moment. What's related to day? Light. And why is that important? Well, when you look, for example, at the prophecy of Zechariah, you will find that Zechariah in chapter 14 of his prophecy, when he speaks about the kingdom of God, what does he emphasize? Light. He says, obviously, during the day, there's light, but he says in the evening, when we would expect there to be darkness, also there's going to be light. So light is synonymous with the kingdom of God. Paul knows this, and this is what he's going to be emphasizing to us. So the day has drawn near. And in light of the coming of the kingdom of God, it's near establishment. What does he say? Well, look at the middle of verse 12 where he says, Let us set aside therefore the works of darkness let's not do the works of darkness but he says rather we shall clothe ourselves with and many bibles will say armor but if you do a good study of this it is a word for weapon it's in the plural so he says here let us clothe ourselves with the weapons of what light that is kingdom weapons and what is the kingdom weapon living righteously not submitting to that antichrist spirit that that spirit of lawlessness that unrighteousness but living righteously why it's righteousness that manifests the glory of god and there's an inherent connection between righteousness and and light also between glory and light so once more let us set aside the works of darkness and clothe ourselves with the weapons of light verse 13 as in the day let us do what he says we shall walk properly now that term properly is a very important one properly means according to the truth of God, related to the purpose of God. Now, Paul, he always wrote from a Hebraic standpoint. And if you were to ask me, what is this word in Hebrew, this word for properly, that which is inappropriate? Well, I would answer, it is the Hebrew word. Of course, this is Greek, but Paul's writing from that Hebrew mindset. And it would be the word halacha, which is that which is proper and there's a play on words in hebrew because that word which means proper also relates to law 
how we implement the commandments of God. That is what's proper. Why? Because it manifests righteousness. And when righteousness is manifested, it releases the glory to God. And that's what we're called to do. So once more, he says, let us clothe ourselves with the weapons of light as in the day properly let us walk and not what's improper well notice he gives some some indicators of that which is improper he first uses the word which means that which lacks lacks that which is proper it's a word for debauchery and it speaks about uh, behavior that is riotous and then he also says drinking that's also inappropriate and then he says, not with sexual immorality or sensualness, and not in strife nor jealousy. So notice these things. It is always inappropriate for us to be living in a way that is full of debauchery or drinking, we might say carousing, that which relates to sexual immorality and that which is based upon sensualness and in strife and in jealousy but what are we called to do well look at our last verse verse 14. this is how a believer is called to live today but especially in the last days now i say today yes we must be living this way now but in the last days it's our final opportunity to demonstrate that we belong to god to bear witness to others, to have that God-pleasing testimony so that we will hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Verse 14, he says, but put on the Lord Messiah Yeshua. Now, frequently, when, when we look at, at where the term messiah appears i'm speaking about yeshua hamashiach jesus christ whenever there's a reference to him we should always pay attention to how he's being referred to whether he's being called savior whether he's being called teacher whether he's being called uh, uh whatever notice how messiah is spoken of here lord why because as we approach the last days we must and this is so emphatic it should be emphasized in our mind these last days come about these difficulties so that we can bear witness that we can demonstrate to others that he is our lord and as the governments become more and more unrighteous we need to be bolder and bolder in speaking against these unrighteous laws, these unrighteous things. We need to speak out against it. And that's why this, as I travel in different countries, we are encountering more and more where they'll say, well, there's religious freedom, but it's limited. That, that you cannot say anything against the current government, that ruling party. Well, I would never agree to that because we are called to speak truth. So we go to these places and we want to encourage people to live righteously and sometimes and frequently and even more so as we approach the last days. There's going to be more contention between the government and people 
of faith. That's what Paul is telling us. And that's why he's giving us this instruction. Again, verse 14. But don't live in jealousy. Don't live in strife. Don't live in immorality. Don't base your life upon the sensual. Don't live a life that's ruled over by drinking and debauchery. What should we do? He tells us. But in contrast to that, he says, but put on. That means close yourself in who? The Lord. And it's so important that Messiah is being referred to here as the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord. It is so important that we demonstrate that he's the Lord of our life. Now, we are saved by grace. We are not saved by our performance, but having been saved by grace through faith, having received that free gift, and that gift causes us to become born again, regenerated, that new creation. We are called as creation, created in Christ. We are called to demonstrate that he is our Lord. And he says, and of the flesh and then most bibles say make no preparations and that's fine but it's even stronger than not making preparations it's a word here which means pro which means beforehand and the next word noia which is thought or mind so it basically says give no thought don't have any mindset on your flesh that is your physical needs why if you make decisions based upon your flesh meaning your your physical well-being if you make decisions in that way you are going to miss out on the truth of of righteous living you are going to submit to the wrong lord you are going to live in a way that is pleasing to the antichrist instead of the real christ and that's why he says but rather Put on the Lord, Messiah Yeshua. And the, many Bibles will say provision, but it's the forethought. Make no forethought, forethought of the flesh for desires, meaning its desires, the desires of the flesh. Give no thought to that. Why? It's when the flesh is weak, then what? The spirit is takes over that's why we fast and i can promise you this as we approach the last days those who walk faithfully what's going to happen they are going to be homeless they are going to be lacking food they are going to be cold they're not going to have provision that's okay we don't need provision for this body why this body is turning to dust it is going to be of no significance what's important the spirit we need to give forethought to the spirit walking in him submitting to him obeying him and being empowered by him in order that we think according to truth because the holy spirit as as yeshua taught he is the spirit of truth and that's what we're called to submit to the truth of god where that doesn't bring conflict with the government fine but if it does we are called always to walk in truth well i'll close with that until next time shalom from israel
Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. <laughs>